Ooh. Oh my. Ooh. Boo. Welcome, welcome, welcome wow. to Armchair Expert. Boo. Oh. Happy Halloween. What a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween. We're going to go on a hayride later. Oh, yes. We're going to hayride tonight. We're going to have a hayride tonight. Is all right. Trick or treat. <laughs> Today, having nothing really to do with Halloween, I don't want anyone to think we think that she's scary. No, she's not. No, Gwen Stefani. Very safe. Very not scary. So fun. Oh, it was just a real pop out. That's how I can tie it to Halloween. Yeah. Gwen was a pop-out. Yeah. Just a party. I don't feel like I've heard much long-form stuff from her, so it was really cool to get to chat with her for that long. I agree. I've been around her socially, and then I've seen short interviews with her, and then this was a whole new side of Gwen that I got to see with yeah, you. It was so fun. really enjoyed it. She, of course, is an award-winning singer, a songwriter, and an entrepreneur. She currently has out a very bold, very exciting, very individual Beauty line called Give, spelled very confusing, G-X-V-E, Give. So please adorn your face mm. and give and enjoy Gwen Stefani. Boo. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you, uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. Well, the best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC, terms apply. He's an upchair expert. He's an upchair expert. He's an upchair expert. Hi! Oh, thanks for having me. How are you? Welcome. I was, I was listening this morning to the Scarlett Johansson one, and she's that so was fun. a good one. Scar yeah. Jo? Yes. Funny, smart, was, and cute. Was she that the sure first is. episode you heard? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm late, I guess. No, you're, you're right on time. You're a hit. People are um, <laughs> podcast people or they're not. Honestly, I feel like I'm just 
becoming one. I'm dyslexic, so I don't like read. So so. So then I started getting into like audiobooks. Yeah. Trying to get smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really listened to a lot of podcasts, but I guess it's the next. It's your entree in. Oh, okay. You know how much juicy stuff just happened? Dyslexia, being <laughs> smart. Yeah, it's so true. I got a little sweat barrier. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, yeah. First of all, welcome. Secondly, I don't know why. We've been doing this for four years. First three years, no problem with the leather. Four years you've been doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 500 hard. episodes. Scarlet was 500. That's right. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Never sweat. Like this leatherness wasn't an issue, but the last six months, I can't sit in this chair without my back getting wet. Oh. So as you can see, I've employed a little <laughs> makeshift barrier today. Okay, got it. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> okay, so dyslexic, I agree. <laughs> What's weird to me about your dyslexia is you got diagnosed like two years ago, like officially. You know about it? A research. Bro, oh, my job is to learn about like, you. What? Oh my God, it's so private. This is already a disaster. <laughs> Just a real-time update, it's not going well with the barrier okay it's all water. i think you need to get one of those there like go. i don't know those like kind of sheepskin things you put in cars cabbie's you, best friend yeah. like cab drivers in <laughs> yeah, new york used to, to have that. yeah back like, in the day there was a whole art form to cabs that's been lost with uber remember I'll just the ones say. that were like the beads uh, i the never beads? could understand the beads oh like, like they hanging would, no they were like the seat things made out of like wooden beads it didn't seem comfortable to <laughs> me and they're called cabbie's best friend to make them so I guess not it sweat? must increase circulation. They're oh, sitting all day long. We right. now know this is dangerous to sit all day long, right? You're supposed yeah. to get up and yeah, you can get strokes. blood clots. <laughs> strokes are but imminent. But also beads. I thought you were more talking about the decorative <laughs> no, beads that occasionally. No, they were the oh, I know. That's yeah, the okay. cabbie's best friend. We're on the same page <laughs> okay. with that. I was like, I don't know. She probably is too young. I missed out on the beads. <laughs> I didn't spend much time in cabs, unfortunately. But how'd you get a diagnosis? I haven't really gotten diagnosed it's more like a self-diagnosed but i've done so much research on it now in fact i just read a book audio book called learning outside the lines i think okay and there was another one that i read called um i'm dyslexic so i can't remember yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. i'm not kidding you're like i'm dyslexic i don't know how to put on shoes i'm dyslexic and i can't drive i do i do i I do it for everything and it's actually real but i did read this one and it was the dyslexic advantage and it was talking about the different types and i was like ooh, what am i and i feel like i'm more like the dot to dot and my gift comes from being able to sort of like if you say one thing, I'll figure out how it connects to something else and how it connects to, and that's how I do everything. And I didn't even know it until I read that. So wait, there's different variety of dyslexia? Yeah. The book was really cool because it talks about all of the benefits and the gifts that come with it. And then of course it's super frustrating and it doesn't go away. And my biggest issue when I read is I start at the beginning and then I skip and skip and skip. And then I'm at the bottom and I'm like, shit, mm-hmm. now I have to go back. So it takes me so much time. And then I get distracted. Do you skip or do you do what I, I do, which is, oh, skim, you said. I skip and skim. A mixture mm-hmm. of skipping and skimming. <laughs> but what S&S. happens to me is- Why are we talking about well, because this? Because <laughs> I, I talk ad nauseum about my dyslexia. So this is my favorite topic. So I'm not skipping or skimming. I'm reading, right? But mm-hmm. I'm getting to that next paragraph and I'm like, you I didn't remember. get one item out of that. Like My eyes you're... moved across the letters yeah. in a predictable pattern and I looked at all the letters. Is it because you're starting to think about other things like drift or you're reading it, but then it's just not sticking? The way I would explain it is there is one thing of just looking at the word and seeing it and going, that's the. Then there's a second layer 
that requires another gear for me to then internalize what all those symbols meant. Right. If that makes sense. Like I could be reading out loud to you and I could be pronouncing the words and stuff, but then there's this other version of me reading, which is actually like staring intently at each word for an extended period of time to really know what I'm taking in. processing. So when somebody's talking to me or I'm reading something, the processing time is way longer. And so like, I'll be way back over on a word that you said before and like have this whole world around it. Yeah, (laughs) And then I'm like, oh wait, go back. What did you say? And it makes me feel silly, but it is who I am. And obviously I got where I'm at. So I'm You're doing fine. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think I discovered it in about third grade. I can remember looking around at the classroom and everyone knew what was going on but me. We're like reading James and the Giant Peach and I'm like, I'm thinking and I'm just going to pretend like I know. And I sort of faked my way through school. Or how about when the teacher's on the blackboard, right? And all the info that everyone's supposed to receive today is happening on that chalkboard. And so it's all being revealed. And I'm like, what is all that up there? I haven't gotten anything out of this. No, I would be in a world of just doodles. I would have these dreams about like. (laughs) World of doodles. (laughs) That should be your new autobiography. World of doodles. (laughs) But I would. And I had a lot of creative visions about what I would be wearing or what I wanted to be like or how I was going to sign my signature. Like, I mean, it was like. You weren't encumbered by learning. You had a free time to fantasize and create a world. Yeah, but it was hard. And so I didn't really know. But then when my brother was like four years younger, then that's when they were like, okay, he's dyslexic. So then he was going to different classes and stuff like that. And he would be mad I'm even talking about it because he doesn't like talking about it. But then... But is this the artist brother, Eric? No, it's my baby brother. Your baby brother. Oh, right. Obviously, Eric's older. Yeah. Okay, right. So I'm of the exact age it started. So I was funneled out of fourth grade, maybe. And put into special ed. We're talking about this. I haven't had an in-depth conversation publicly about it. People know it. And to the point where, like, if I would tweet something and they'd be like, oh, my God, you spelled it wrong. And I'm like, of course I did. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Can't spell. No, I'll never be able to. (laughs) Who needs spelling anyway? We have spell check. But go ahead. So you were saying that you were the one. I was like the guinea pig. They sent me to the learning disabled room with the other disabled kids. They were trying some techniques. I don't know that they really (laughs) knew what they were doing. I would feed these cards into a machine. There'd be a little outline of a cat on it. And it'd say cat. I'd put it in this machine and it'd go cat. And then I'd just sit there with a stack of these little things and slide them through the machine for a couple hours. I don't know if that worked, but I was going to ask you, do you have a superpower? Because I know what mine is from the dyslexia thing, which is I have a crazy auditory memory. Like if you tell me a story, well, you'll tell me a story today. It's inevitable. (laughs) I'll bump into you in four or five years and I'll pretty much remember that story. Because I think the only info you and I got was verbal. I think that my memory is really bad. I erase what's happening as it's happening okay. in my brain. So mm. there's that. So I think that's actually a gift because it made me just keep going forward. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But then at the same time, I can remember if someone shows me a picture of me and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that outfit. I know exactly what my makeup was. I know who was there. I know by my interests, yes. like if I'm interested in the makeup or the hair or the look, I can remember an outfit or something like that, which is weird. And of course, I can remember all my lyrics on stage. Yeah. yeah. But if I do a cover, mm, that's trouble. a problem. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It takes me so long to learn a cover, yet if I write it, same with melody. If I'm working with a songwriter and they came up with the melody, 
it will take me forever to learn wow. the melody. So <laughs> it's slow being me. Yeah, it's not. But I also think that my other gift that I think I have is being able to problem solve, like see worlds of things in this dot to dot thing I was talking about. Yeah. So that I think I'm good at. Then how did you do when you were acting, learning dialogue? Horrible. Yeah. I only acted for like, well, I had minutes. three lines and I almost died. <laughs> and it was like Martin Scorsese and wow. Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. I was like, oh my God. Was and it was, Wolf of Wall Street? No, it, Aviator. Yeah. Oh. It was Gene Harlow. And the anxiety of just sitting there. I had the three lines taped all over my mirror and I was just like, how are we going to do this? Three lines is often harder than 40 lines. Yeah, and I really did want to do that. And I had tried out for a lot of different things and I went through the process and I think that I could have gotten there. Once you memorize it, then I could do anything you wanted me to do. But the memorization would take so long that it was like, was it really worth my life to do this? So I bet if you wrote the dialogue you were going to say that you would have it like that because the things i've acted in that i wrote i literally wrote them months before and i didn't even need to look at it on the day to the point of Mm -hmm. your own lyrics your own melodies yeah if you create them they're kind of in you yes okay so now my immediate next question is what the fuck do you do on the voice? Because don't you have to read mm-hmm. cue cards well, and this teleprompters? Is this is my nightmare, oh, teleprompters. Yeah. yeah, teleprompters or speeches. I got like a D in speech in college. And people would be like, oh, but you're so this Outgoing. and that. Good at and being like, in front of people. But it's like, it's different. Because when you read, it's intimidating for me. And I think it's more because of the processing. Because I don't have any time to be like, okay, I'm going to ad-lib in between here. But I got way better at it. On um, the voice. Yeah, I have faith in God. Right. right. God, is my, God. God is my God. God is my God. a lot of interviews with you. <laughs> God okay. comes up in every God one. God is your like God. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be honest about that really quick? Sidebar. Yeah. I was going reverse chronology. So I was reading newer interviews with you. And then I was going back in time and reading older ones. And I have to say the cynic in me, I saw God a bunch. And I was like, does this have something to do with who she's married to? Like he's a country man. Oh, was in like church I, every day. Okay. And she got super into God through him. And then I went oh. back in time. No, no, no. God's been on the front burner <laughs> on the, the whole time. He has. It's crazy because I feel blessed about that. But it's definitely one of those things where I remember I had gone through a really hard phase in my life, horrible time in my life. And I had just given birth to Apollo. And Pharrell had asked me to present an award or it was something. And of course I had to, because he's my homie and yeah. like I owe him my life. <laughs> and so I just said to myself in my prayer, I was like, you're done with this girl. That girl's gone. Uh-huh. We are going to the next level. Yeah. And, and it was almost like a mind game, like a Jedi mind trick that I had on myself. And it was also really weird because after you have a baby, it's almost like you have to transform back into your old self, but you're not your old self. And it was my third one. I was 44. It was my first time getting made up and going to this thing. So I vividly remember just being like, I don't even care. And this was one of those stages. I was up high. This teleprompter was like so far away. Oh, like it was a big teleprompter, yeah. but like literally across the entire world. Yeah. And I did it. And I don't know, it was one of those longer ones. Ooh. Lifetime achievement. <laughs> oh, like, God. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I was like, You're reading and I did biography. it. And I did it again. I presented one of those awards to one of my idols, Julie Andrews, not long wow. ago. So much anxiety to do it. Had to do it, of course, and it turned out 
great. So now I'm just like, whatever, I own it. I love that. Yeah, I can read. Of course I can read. Reading in public and reading at home is much different. Reading in front of a camera, in front of something televised is a much different stress chamber than you in bed reading. Me reading to my sons, I wonder if you do this ever. I'll read them and I'll be all animated and it will be amazing. And meanwhile, I've designed a dress like, or you know what I mean? I haven't even paid one attention to what the story is. I have no idea what I just read because I was thinking about something else. My new insecurity is they now (laughs) read well enough Oh, and I'm botching every like eighth or ninth word when I read, which was never an issue when they were two and four. But now I'm getting some words wrong. And then I notice I get it wrong. And then I'm like, God, they're looking right over my shoulder. Like, are Uh they, did they not pick that up? Are they going to bust me? Do they just feel bad for dad? And they're letting it roll. My 16 year old will be like, mom, let me just, you know, take over. Yeah. So the thing that I thought was cool is I was reading that Malcolm Gladwell book, David and Goliath, and it said what was known forever, and what I grew up knowing was that dyslexics had two times the rate of ending up in prison. Well, that's funny. I read this book, I think it was Reading Outside the Lines, about these two guys that had separate lives. One was ADHD and one was dyslexic, and how their lives were derailed by their situation. It was really sad. You know, they got into drugs, all these things, but then they ended up at school, Yale or something crazy like that. And they made this book to teach people that have these disorders, gifts, whatever you want to call them, how to live in this world that we're not really part of, right? And how do you go to college and how do you manipulate the system? And so this is what the book was. It was actually so cool because they were so punk rock the way they talked about their lives and like, it doesn't matter. It's awesome. You feel like an outsider. I I identify with being an outsider and it's just one more outsider-y thing. Yeah. But in the Mountain Gladwell book, it said that data was known for decades, the twice as likely to go to prison. But now they know twice as likely to be a CEO. Well, that's so crazy. That all the crazy? time I'll be like, yeah, and Walt Disney and oh, exactly. like name all these geniuses. Name I know. Drop, <laughs> dyslexic geniuses. No, I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. yeah. I could see you Well, that's what's funny be. that you I'm would say that. I'm jealous of your epilepsy. I really, oh yeah. yeah. That one doesn't come with any gifts, unfortunately. Oh kind of. seizures. It's fun though. <laughs> it is funny and frustrating, but I think that I would never change it. You wouldn't be here. No, I mean, honestly, my life was really hard as a child because of that. But I had a really good childhood and I had amazing family. But when I first wrote my first song is when I was like, okay, wait a minute. Nobody told me I could do this. And it was suddenly I had my identity and I felt like I had a reason to live and be Mm. part of culture and participate. When I've been a professional writer for 20 years, the notion that I became a writer not only cracks me up, but fills me with the most amount of pride I could have. I wasn't supposed to do this. I'll top this one. Oh, hit me. <laughs> I taught the whole world how to spell bananas. You and I sure did. Ah. Right. I think that's God's funny joke. Wow, that me, is right? funny. Isn't that funny? How would you spell wow, that's it? Um, well, B- let me think. Yeah, get into the get into the lyric <laughs> before it. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. That's yeah. right. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yeah. If I put it to a rhyme like that. That's how we all know it. that's really cool. And it's been super fascinating just in this short time talking to you about it. I could talk about it all day long. Well, you and I will go out for tea and we'll (laughs) go somewhere with a very simple menu and then we'll discuss it. But (laughs) you're stupid. Oh, oh, wait. First, I was like, what do you mean? Do you have a small palate? But now I see about reading the menu. We got to go somewhere with huge writing, (laughs) very simple description, nothing flowery. I don't need you to walk me through the origin of this tea leaf. Just Mm. tell me it's black or green, whatever. Okay. The most important thing we're going to talk about today okay for me is that you're fucking
working father. Dennis? When you say the F word with my dad's name, I feel like I'm in trouble. Is it Dennis? (laughs) Dennis, yeah. Dennis was a gosh damn (laughs) Yamaha marketing executive. Oh, no. What? Do you know how into motorcycles and Yamahas I am? Did you have titties dirt bikes all over your property at all times? No. What? No, he worked in the marketing thing or whatever. I know these guys. I'm friends with many of them. That's how I got super into Japanese culture. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because my dad used to go to Japan every year. And remember, back in those days, we didn't have the internet. Yeah. So right. it was like, if you wanted to see Japanese culture, you go to the library and get an encyclopedia, right? You yeah. didn't have good cable. No. Like, no you're like you, two years older than me or something, and, and that came on the scene late in life. You watched Family Ties uh-huh. and Sesame Street. Green Acres on a sick So for day. me, I was like, wow, so interested in, he would bring home treasures, Japanese things that you just didn't have here. It was just so different. Well, but he was Yamaha high up thing, if they were sending him to Tokyo. You know what my dad did do? He worked on the Wave Runner and the Riva. Do you oh, remember Riva? Oh, the, the scooter. Yeah, 50cc. Very oh dependable gosh. to compete with <laughs> the knows, Honda Spree. That was the competitive vehicle oh to the Honda God, Spree. Oh my God, he would freak out. Oh, you had a Spree though. I had a Honda Spree. Yeah. Very, very, very good machine. Oh. But hey, the Riva was a nice unit as well. They're all good. <laughs> that is so nerdy. <laughs> okay, your dad, he's an Italian stallion as well. Yeah. Right? Dennis Stefani. Oh. He was born in Michigan, Detroit. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Is that like... Things are, <laughs> things, things are imploding. What happened? I'm from Detroit, Michigan. Oh, shit. Eight Mile. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Why aren't we hanging, Dennis? Oh, my God. That's so funny. He and I could talk about the Riva. <laughs> I'm sure he had something to do with the VMAX, the international release of that scooter. I can't wait to tell him this. He's going to listen to this. He's going to be... <laughs> really excited. Did your brothers, though, have access Nothing. to Sweet? Wow. No. They just were really conservative. One time he brought home one of those little miniature dirt bikes that were the oh, tiny, tiny sure. ones. PW50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got to ride that at the school park. Once in a while, he would bring home, like, a motorcycle and, oh, like, wow. okay. we would just drive around the neighborhood or whatever, but it was kind of rare. I love this guy. Yeah. He's from Detroit. He ended up working at Yamaha. Yeah. He's going to Japan. This it's... guy is an American hero. <laughs> Japanese culture is such a part of your brand. For me, culture has just always been whatever. Now that you know my dyslexia situation, it's a dot-to-dot thing. So if I was in the mall, let's say, and Mm -hmm. I was working at the mall as a makeup artist back in the day when Mm. I was a kid. And in Anaheim, we had different cultures, but it was a lot of Hispanic culture, Asian culture. Run-of-the-mill honkies from Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But rarely would you see Indian girls Uh come through. But when they would come through there and they would be wearing their saris, I would lose my mind. Really? Yeah, because I was like, I never saw that before. And then when I met Tony Canal, which is the bass player of No Doubt, he's Indian, yeah. and I didn't know what he was. And I was like 17, 16. No, this is common. There wasn't a big community in Anaheim. Yeah. And I never went anywhere outside of Anaheim, not even LA. So I remember going to his house and there was little elephants everywhere. And I was like, what is that? And then That's how I got introduced to that culture from age 17 for like seven years. His mom would come down the stairs with her red lipstick adorned with all this sparkle and the opposite of my mom. You know what I mean? So that I got really inspired by his culture as well. And even just Anaheim culture. Well, what I think you love is aesthetic, right? So every time you're seeing a new aesthetic, it's not unlike when you discover for other people Russian literature or anything exotic and exciting, visually novel. It's stimulating. I'm obsessed with culture 
when it comes to the similarities and how similar we are, you know, after writing Don't Speak and going to like Israel and guys with machine guns looking in our van and I'd never seen that before. And then the guy sees me and goes, don't speak. And he starts singing the song. I was like, what? Like, we are all connected. Also ironic that a guy with a machine gun said, don't speak. Because they might just say that anyways. <laughs> well, it's, maybe, maybe he was about to say it anyways and realized, oh, fuck, I can sing this. Yeah, well, the yeah. thing is, you're probably right. <laughs> oh, God. That's no, scary. I'm just saying I'm very visual, so I'm very inspired by our differences and our similarities. And yes. I love to blend it all up. We also grew up in a very vibrant time, right? The 80s is very Daglo orange and all these weird new colors and all of the movies we were watching. Did you love Valley Girl? Is that a movie of yours? I don't know if I really watched Valley Girl. Standout performance by Nicolas Cage in his youth. The best soundtrack of all time. Yeah, I know. All the, New Wave. You know the soundtrack? Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Everything was booming at that time. Everybody was happy. They were at the mall. <laughs> they were flirting. happiness. Every song was about being heartbroken in love. Or at least I was super super into new wave i was so into new wave who are your I mean, bands you listen to k-rock right well because you were in detroit mm-hmm. but did we they didn't have, have k-rock, K-Rock. No, okay no, no. so because k-rock was world famous and sort of <laughs> sure. like you even know an, it made its way to anaheim but even. but even like the first time i ever heard prince was on k-rock which is yeah. weird because little red corvette was played for the first time on k-rock first time no doubt was played was on k-rock but <gasps> oh cool god bless k-rock uh, we tip our hat to you k-rock it is funny because K-Rock actually did say, the programmer said, it would take an act of God to play No Doubt on K-Rock. And we all know that I truly have <gasps> the yeah. guy have a relationship you with that guy. So ear. he hooked wow. us up. Since you did like blending all these cultures, how do you feel about this current place we're in? I think it's interesting that things have just changed so fast so different. before my eyes. You know, just the way people see things is completely different. And for me... The biggest gift that I've ever been given is to be able to travel the world and 100%. to be able to see with my own eyes like what cultures do. And it was just a sneak peek because yeah. I was in and out. But it didn't matter because I actually was the fabric of, I don't know, of pop culture for a long time in the sense that Definitely. it didn't matter where I went. Somebody knew who I was. So I feel like I was able to have a really good view of all the things we just talked about. We're all inspired by each other and we're all lifting each other up and we're all each other's heroes. So what's wrong with taking somebody else's greatness and incorporating it into your greatness and then sharing it with other people? I think that when I was working with the Harajuku girls, for example, and how that came about was, you know, from my childhood. But when I had finally gone to Japan, it was in the 90s. I had heard so many stories about Harajuku from my dad and like the Elvises and just the way girls dressed. And I finally was there. I couldn't believe <laughs> I was like, there. I'm connected to this. I'd waited world. my whole life. Yeah. And so the style, for me, it was just so cool how Japanese culture is so traditional, yet so futuristic at the yes. same time. Yeah. And then they were also so attention to detail and it's very so performative, artistic. Yeah. Right? And so I was just very drawn to that and also so disciplined. Everything about the culture was just so fascinating to me and so different. When I was doing my first solo record, the first song that I wrote, I went in. I'd never written outside of No Doubt. I was quite insecure about doing it. I also was going to work with a woman, Linda Perry, and she was like outrageous. And she had just done that beautiful song for Christina. So she was like the Mm. writer to write with at the moment. I went in the room and I was telling her how insecure I am. And I just don't know if I can write. I suck and all the stuff that I do. And then she says, what you waiting for? Like, bitch, get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And then Did you I, get that out of your system? Then I was I like, right. like, I got it 
and he's like, and I'm moving car. A scary conversation. Wow. I wrote What You Waiting For, like, instantly. Mm. And wow. one of the lines in the song is, I can't wait to go back and do Japan, get myself some brand new fans, Osaka, Tokyo, those Harajuku girls, damn, you got the wicked style. That was it. That was the line. Yeah. It was telling them that I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah. And that I can't wait to go back there. If I do this record, maybe I'll get to go. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the start of the entire solo period, yeah. the whole chapter. So then I was like sitting there with Linda. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. Because I was always in no doubt. So I never got to do shit that I wanted to do as a girl. We didn't have dancers. We were punk. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't get costume changes. All that creative stuff that I didn't Craving. know even was in me. Growing up in a band, you see all these like pop bands having these dancers and you're kind of like it's cheesy but it's kind of amazing too so yeah. I was like I'm gonna get my own posse and they're gonna be Japanese Harajuku girls we're gonna go everywhere and we're gonna be like these are my homies yeah, I just yeah. had this creative idea and that's how it was born and then everybody twisted into whatever they wanted it to be totally there's that well you also have to remember you're hearing the voice of 0.001% exactly. of the world. 99.9% .9 just enjoyed everything. Well, the uh, Harajuku girls sure enjoyed it. Well, yeah. there you go. And I loved No Doubt. Oh my God, like I was super young and I think it was good. There was no representation of Indian people or Indian culture that wasn't The Simpsons. Uh -oh. Exactly. It's cool for a cool band to be incorporating some of these different cultures and you could be like, well, that's mine. There weren't any Indian pop stars. <laughs> In America. Yeah, be, yes, exactly. So you were bringing like, some of that. Instead of it being done Coolness. in a comedic effect, it was done for a style icon -y cool. Respect. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bass player was Indian. And by the way, that entire album was written because he broke my heart. You know what I'm saying? So like, Indian boy. everybody Don't knew. Don't ever date an Indian <laughs> Everybody boy. knew. If we learned one everybody thing, knew the story about that. So all of that part, the Bindi, his mom gave me that. She yeah. went to India and gave me that. So there's a story behind everything. And a reason, and I would say all of it, was just purely innocent admiration being a fan. And also, I lived with my parents till I was like 26 years old because of my situation with school. It was just the way it was. I loved them. Like, we just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was yeah. fine. I just lived there, and I was doing the band and going to college. And Wow. Yeah, so I was really late. I watched a great documentary about these two dudes who basically created the East L.A. Latino aesthetic. One guy was a tattoo artist, clown, and the other guy did pinstriping on lowriders. I hope I got that right. Maybe one did a zine. It doesn't matter. They inspired this enormous movement in Japan of all these Japanese kids. They've got the shoes, the low pants, the wife beaters, the same tattoos, and they get to go meet all these kids and they're like, this is the most flattering thing imaginable that these kids on the other side of the world have like loved our aesthetic we created and are now putting on that character. But I feel like Japanese culture and American culture, we've been doing a ping pong match for years. We do something and then they make it really cooler and better, especially in fashion and design. It's exciting. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. Listen, I understand that sometimes you want to keep things to yourself, process your emotions in your own time. But if you keep everything bottled up, it can have some serious consequences. I have therapy on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. I had therapy this morning. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and it put me in the greatest mood. We had a long, big day, and I just felt much better for having Because you were, some... not to out you, you were a little grumpy going in. I was. I was. I was to be <laughs> Rob and I received some texts. Yeah, I was morning. locked out of my therapy setting, which is this attic. <laughs> <sighs> 
But then you felt much better after. I felt much better. And I even made some apologies. Um, Talking things out can be so helpful. And if you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend therapy. Check out BetterHelp if you've been thinking of trying therapy. It's entirely online, convenient, and flexible. It's also easy to get started. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for any reason for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DAX. We are supported by Squarespace. Guys, we have a Squarespace website that's just gorgeous. That Wobby Wob, you uh, you built that yourself using all the templates, yeah? I sure did. Yeah. Easy peasy? So easy. The best part about Squarespace is it's an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can get discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools, and you can choose from professionally curated layouts and styling options with Squarespace Blueprint. Plus, you can kickstart or update written content on any website, product description, or email with Squarespace AI. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Wayfair. Home should be your happy place, a space where you can relax and just enjoy yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Whether you want the ultimate man cave, a cozy Victorian-inspired nook for reading, an area for family movie night filled with all things retro or something else. And if you need help creating that space, I recommend Wayfair. It's the place to shop for everything home, from sofas to dining tables, beds, rugs, wall art, and more. I bought a KitchenAid mixer mixer on Wayfair. You can really get anything on there. And I'm helping a friend redo his living room. And we just... You're just on Wayfair nonstop. Yep. Yeah, it's one-stop shop. It is. They have fast, free shipping. They have everything you need for your home inside and out. They have a huge selection of home goods and a variety of styles. Whatever you're into, Wayfair is the go-to destination to help bring your vision to life. Every style is welcome in the Waberhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style, every home. Okay, so what age are you when you joined No Doubt? I was 17, but I graduated at 17, so I was a senior. So you had the double whammy of being too young for your age and you can't read. The, yeah. what, what a great start. But your brother, your older brother, Eric, right? He was the keyboardist? Yeah. And he was the one that was like, you should sing in this group. Yes. When did he leave No Doubt? So my brother, talk about The Simpsons, he was an animator for The Simpsons for 10 years. So when that show started, he was working on that show. While being in No Doubt? Yeah, my brother was like wow. this super gifted child. He won every art contest. And my parents were really, I think, hard on him because he was just eccentric. He was just a weirdo, arty guy. And my dad was very much like, you got to get a job. You can't just do art. And then my brother was like, I want to go to CalArts. And then he ended up doing No Doubt. And then he just ended up getting the job with The Simpsons. So he never really went to college, but he did a little bit, community college. And then he went back 
to CalArts because wow. he was like, I want to go there. But he didn't really go to school there. He just went there and like did his thing he wanted to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at that point, I think he was just done with No Doubt because he's such a pure artist that lives in another place in this world that yeah, we don't yeah. we have don't know access the to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, the idea of having to compromise with the band or the idea of having a label tell you we don't like this song, all of that kind of stuff. I think he was just done with that. Too sensitive for that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what stage did he leave the band? Were you guys already successful or was it just before you got huge? We had been together nine years. The first album was like a signed album, but it was one of those things where we thought it came out. And then we went on this like van tour across America. Uh And when we would play, there would be like a local record store and we'd be playing at a shitty club and it wouldn't be in there. You couldn't go buy it then. Yeah. Yeah, And so we were like, I don't think they put it out. (laughs) Did they not put it out? It was like a lot of struggle between that and the next album, which was the Tragic Kingdom. Tragic Kingdom's a big one. You're on Interscope. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Iovine, your brother's with the band still? Or yes, I, he, is. he is. So he did leave post He's in the pictures, success. yeah. Well, no, not really. We were making that record over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. So basically one of the things they did was they said, we're going to buy you an eight-track recorder. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they bought it for us, but Interscope. <laughs> we're going to recommend We're going to recommend that you use your band account to buy an eight-track recorder. Sell that shitty van you yeah. have from touring and buy an eight-track. <laughs> and you guys just need to write songs. And so my grandparents had a house right next to Disneyland, the Beacon Street house. And that's where my dad grew up. And when my brother moved out of my parents' house, he moved to that house. And so that was the band house. And so then Adrian and Tom ended up moving into that house. And we took the garage. And Where are the we, grandparents? In the basement? Where have you guys put them? Okay, they passed. Okay. They're, they're yeah, up there with is, him or I mean, her. Yeah, because yeah, okay. my brother at this point is college age. It was way after the start of the band. But we built a studio in the garage. And that's where we would just write the songs. And my brother lived there. My brother was the kind of guy that we would practice all day writing and then we would leave and then he would stay up all night, right, don't wow. speak. You know what I mean? Like and then wow. and then we'd come back and be like, wah, wah, we suck. We didn't <laughs> <laughs> Eric's the talented one mm, and he's the John Legend, I yeah. guess. Or no, John Lennon. John he, Legend's also, also John very yeah, talented. He, is very he could talented. be him John. too, I guess. <laughs> he could be both and he of them. plays piano. That's actually better than John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, accidentally got it right. But he quit right before the album came out okay so he wrote a lot of that album he wrote some of it i wrote a lot of it okay because when my brother quit tony quit me at the same time oh no and that's why god (laughs) Uh decided to say guess what you don't know this but you can write songs Uh and then i wrote one and i was like holy shit I feel like I might have lit a fire inside of my heart right now. But hold on, because this is something incredible that happens in your history, which is you're in this band for nine years, whatever. You're playing at record stores. There's no record for sale. <laughs> then <laughs> your brother quits. That's a huge source of security within this band. Mm-hmm. And then Tony, this evil Indian boy. <laughs> no, ever oh my God, stop. An Indian boy. He hates They're Indian all people. Evil. Dax does. This is the Hussamanages of, of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so he breaks up with you. So now you don't have a brother and now you have have to work with your ex-boyfriend and right at that moment you think you're going on tour for like a month or two you take a semester off school and then that turns into two and a half year tour yep that's bonkers yeah so entering into that (laughs) tour with all this instability and a heartbreak and your brother's not there how long does that suck when does it level off was any of that two and a half years enjoyable what was that chunk like 
It was really hard and everything was long from finishing the album to doing the first video, which was just a girl. And I remember we basically shot the video. I feel like we went straight to the airport and we didn't come home for two and a half years. Like, I love you saying yeah. you left and then you came home and you were a millionaire. Oh my God. I did. Wow. I, was, I had $2,000, I think. When you got on the plane. There was no hair or makeup. I had my clothes that I had. We all did. And trust me, they smelled. Like yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. it was so homegrown and really so unexpected. I mean, we were trying to make music that was unpopular. We were the opposite of what was happening and we knew it. And we knew we we're just like this geeky band that was just doing what we wanted to do. So I imagine what's happening is you go on the road for two months. That's what you think is happening. You've brought nine outfits. You're going to rotate between these two months. Then they go, we're going to add a week. I can't imagine they call you and go, we're going to add two years. I imagine they keep adding a month here, a month there. Yeah. And you almost inadvertently end up two and a half years later. Like, I can't imagine they hit you with, we're going to add two years of this tour. Well, this is what happened. <laughs> this is what gets even weirder, just in my personal life. So when Tony breaks up with me, I am desperate to just be friends with him still. I love him and we have a band together and we've created a life together. I was dependent on him because he was everything. He helped me sign my checks. He helped me make sure I had a key to my car. Like Indian as boys a are the dis- best well, boys. They're good boys. <laughs> now we've They're the best corner. boys. You but should definitely find We're talking find about it. dyslexia. Like yeah. one of the real yes. reasons is because he filled in the gaps for me yeah. as a human being. I needed that so bad. So then when we went on tour, it was really, really hard because you have to remember I was so obsessed with him for uh-huh. so long and girls started to dress like me uh-huh. and it was really cool. Yeah. But it wasn't super cool when you would go backstage and they would be back there making out with your... Yes, ex. using your look yeah. to get, catch and it Tony's was like, eye. It was a really challenging time and then reverse for him he would be in the shower and DJ from K-Rock would be going, take that, Tony, listen to this song. And then they would play like a song that I had written about him. So yeah. for both of us, it was oh, a really hard so thing. Uncomfortable. Really quick question. Yeah. And it's inappropriate, but it's the mm-hmm. truth. How on earth are you guys on tour? Because you're in hotel rooms yeah. nonstop. You're both lonely as fuck. He's got to be he's thinking not I lonely. blew Trust it. Trust me. Oh, he's not. Yeah, he okay. was, they he were just, living the rock star life. I just feel like I would end up hooking up with the next 400 well, times if we were on a tour. This is what happened. So this is what I was leading up to. Sorry. When we mixed the Tragic Kingdom album, the guy that mixed it was a guy called Paul Palmer, and he had a partner called Rob Kahane. Now, those guys were a sub of Interscope Records called Trauma. The only band they had was Bush. They loved the Tragic Kingdom. They asked Jimmy Iovine if they could have the record and work the record. Jimmy go, ah, sure, we don't know what to do with them. And then they ended up taking us on and kind of signing us and saying, you're going on tour to open for Bush and the Goo Goo Dolls. So you two had a pretty quick, immediate new interest as well? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the first day of the tour, he had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) He had a plan. He had an appetite. Okay, so you guys are both probably hurting each other, you and Tony. Mm -hmm. He's with randos. You're with this (laughs) this tall English dude. Right? Everyone's so getting hurt. It was all, Everyone was really hurt. How long is everyone just hurting, hurting, hurting before it dissipates enough that now you're just on the road and you can kind of enjoy it together? Well, all? there was a lot of other drama. I mean, the band would say, too. And we made a video about it. Don't speak. Then my star started getting yeah. like, because I was the 
it was my way hotter story. Than the rest of them. Well, it yeah. wasn't that. I think it was the story that people were connecting to yes. the lyric. I didn't mean is, to diminish. Yeah, I was no. just a joke. You have a lot of value other than being much hotter than oh, those guys. God. You know You're what? Also writing Please tell songs. me I'm hot. <laughs> I yeah. love You're it. You're a smoke show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, you are. No, but I swear to God. So then there was like a lot of that going on too, because it would be like, oh, we want one for this, but we don't want the guys. I'm sure they felt jealousy. And did you feel guilt? It's hard when you're in a democracy the entire time having to vote for every single thing. Everything's equal, but you're not equal. It's right. like, and you have different I'm pressure. a girl and yeah. I have to do all these extra things. So there was a lot of that going on, but we had a lot of fun and we just couldn't believe it. I mean, you could imagine... After we were, nine years. That's the best years. part. You guys are like the Beatles who played in those strip clubs for like a decade yeah. before they were the Beatles. Yeah, it was incredible. When you were getting pulled in all these different directions and you guys are still equal in the voting way and all that. And I would imagine you didn't feel guilty as you just covered. I felt more like, oh, they want you on the cover of whatever, 17 magazine, but you can't do it because if we're not going to be on it, you're not going to be on oh, it. Oh, you uh, felt restricted. I felt a little bit restricted. And then you had then, to question the motives. Like, well, Yeah, right. but then we worked it out. We had solutions like, okay, if it's going to be a fashion thing, then you do it. And then if it's going to be a music thing, we're going to all do it. And we're a band. This is exactly to, what's yeah. happened it, between it, Monica and I. <laughs> what? Yeah. She's an ambassador and like a model for this cool suit company. <laughs> no one's asking me to do any of that shit. Yeah, right. The people, <laughs> that, no, her lie. followers are like, they're super fans and they just get through me. And like, it's all happened here. Such a lie. Everyone's yeah. dying to, yeah, uh-huh. Capriotti's wants to do something with a sandwich place. Oh my God, they're on your ass now <laughs> no, too? with you, with you. Oh, with I you. didn't hear just, about the Capriotti's You have sandwiches, <laughs> you have sandwiches, okay? okay? I'll yeah, take how, fashion. How, how fashionable. <laughs> okay, but you guys stay together for a few more albums now? Yeah, we were still together. We're on a hiatus, I guess you call it. We haven't so done anything for a while. In this crazy adjustment period, does it level off at some point? Does everyone get used to the roles and used to the different amounts of attention? I think so. We were all really good friends. We all had a blast. And I think we all had our different roles that we played to make it work. And I think mine was the creative songwriting, the vision of what's the stage going to look like and the screens and all that kind of stuff. I love that. Yeah. You know, Tony was more, are we getting ripped off? Kind of like the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are we you know getting ripped mean? off? <laughs> That's that the Dax role, yeah. yeah. That album then sold 16 million copies. That's so gigantic now. It was huge. You were kind of the last chapter of when people were selling 16 million albums. It's true. In fact, when I went on to do the solo period, which was totally unexpected, we were taking our first little break because we'd never taken a break. Because once we were swimming, we had to keep swimming. And I think Adrian at the time, he had gotten married and was having his first baby. It was a lot. You know, it was time to take a break. And I don't know where it came from. That guy, Uh again, we're talking. You know (laughs) damn where it came from. So I was sort of like, I just had this light bulb moment where I was going to do a dance record and I wanted to do almost like a joke of all the pop music that I listened to in high school outside of like the ska and all the stuff that I was into but it was the backdrop of my life you know so I wanted to do a dance record like that for fun and between the first solo record and the second one the landscape of the industry was completely changed Yeah, between 95 and 2004 yeah your solo is 2004 tragic kingdom was 95 yeah you couldn't sell even the first solo to the next right and they were back to back and i had one of my biggest hits on the second one i Uh, couldn't sell because people were stealing songs like it was just napster yeah Yeah. it got all crazy so you were the first person though to ever sell a million downloads me and Pharrell, yeah. You and wow. Pharrell. Yeah, for Hollaback Girl. Yeah. Oh, so 
I know that one. I ain't no hollaback girl. I didn't know <laughs> I banana. Know that Can you one. smell it? <laughs> I ain't no H U O L E B A C K G I R L. Pretty good. Do you spell that one at any point in the song? No. I ain't no capital H O oh double you hockey sticks E R. So one time I was on tour. You're going to relate to this because I get so panicky when someone asks me to spell something. And I had written this song called Serious and it was S E R I O U S, right? And yeah. it spells it out. Is that how you spell it? I think. Yes. Okay. That yeah, yeah. is exactly I got right. I was listening. Too. I'm like, and, uh, do you leave an eye out? I feel yeah. like there might be an eye in there. <laughs> you said, she said it. She said it. It's right. We were doing that song and I had gotten pregnant right before the, my first ever solo tour. And so I had the dancers. Like, it was everything that I'd never done before. Yeah. New band, everything. And I was so sick, wanting to vomit. And yeah, just, morning sickness. Yeah, morning sickness. That every time that song would come on, I would have to do that song. I would get sick. What? Like, it, would, it was like. Pavlovian. <laughs> instead of like, you know, someone eats meat and they want to throw up. I was like, that song would make me want to throw up. Weird. Because oh. I was so insecure about it. One of my very favorite <laughs> yeah, songs. You keep putting spelling songs in your repertoire. I don't How know weird. <laughs> we find ways to explore fit our trauma. In. You're to right. We act out our trauma. We try to pretend like we actually know what we're doing. Exactly. One of my favorite songs is G L. Oh, you See, I can't spell it though. Taking first class up in. You must love that song, right? It's a gangster song. Okay, you're going to freak out. So, that song, Uh (laughs) me and Tony wrote a song called Luxurious. I've heard it. Yes. You sample. Hold on one second. You just pipe down while I think of who you sampled because it was a good <laughs> you sample. You stay quiet over there. It's a good sample. But we actually wrote the song without the sample and put the oh. sample on afterward, okay, which is so really weird. The sample has nothing but, to do with this. But, okay. but anyways, it wasn't about the sample. It was about the fact that when Jimmy wanted to do a remake, and I think Ludacris did a remake of it, and it was that song. It was glamorous. We said no. We're not going to do it. They Uh-oh. ended up giving it to Fergie, and that became glamorous. <laughs> and that that's was a, a great song. Why big, didn't big Tony like it? It wasn't Tony didn't like it. I mean, I think we just both were like, eh. I don't know. It was one of those really bad decisions that we made. <laughs> like, what were we thinking? And I regret it so bad. But obviously, glamorous turned out to be awesome for. Well, Fergie. hold on. So the whole song was, was written when spelling. it came to you because. Eh. G L A N. Yeah, but then she goes, <laughs> I got money in the bank and yeah. I'd really like to thank all my fans. I'd like to thank. There's one song, though, about her being in a Mustang. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just, that has to be her, right? Driving around an 80s Mustang. That didn't get written for her. No, did no, no. It, it wasn't okay, the lyrics. Okay, it wasn't the okay. lyrics. It was the song, the track. Just the track. Yeah. They had done like a remix of Luxurious and then that track turned into Glamorous. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Can we remember who we sampled for Luxurious, though? Isley Brothers, maybe? That sounds right. It's someone I love. What is- That's right, Between the Sheets. But- <gasps> yeah. Making love between the sheets. <laughs> na, 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 na. Okay, if we have a singer in here, Dax sings four times the amount per <laughs> usual. That's right, because it's on my mind. I really I like, I like the boldness. I love to sing. I yeah. am a bad singer, but I really makes me feel bad good. Singer. Right? Like, gee. When you're spelling it out, I feel good. I feel sassy like I'm a sexy woman up drinking champagne. When was that moment for you where you were like, I like this? I always liked singing. I was like the kid that was in the back of the car. I knew the words to every song on the radio. I just liked to sing, but I didn't think I was a really good singer or anything like that. But I would listen to like the Annie soundtrack or Sound of Music and sing along. And it wasn't until my brother, he would play piano and be like, come on, come sing. And he would kind of make me sing. And so- 
I, it was not a dream of mine at all, except I did once we were in the band. I was like, I know that if somebody let me, I could do jingles for like Kentucky Fried Chicken or like <laughs> yeah, anything. Like yeah. I knew that if I could get into that world, yeah, you yeah. Crush. I could do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your story's a tiny bit like Billie Eilish. Oh, is it? Well, with the brother oh, yeah, producing the songs and going mm -hmm. like, get your ass in here and sing. Having a cheerleader is so sweet. Do you think you find your way to this without your older brother oh encouraging? God, no way. Older have brother. Have you given him half your money just as a thank you? <laughs> he left. He could have been there the whole time. He knows I love him. <laughs> Try to cash that. Okay. We're going to jump to the voice. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> We're going to first say, I love the Defiant one so much. That's one of my favorite docs. The one with Jimmy Ivey. Jimmy Ivey and yeah. Dr. Dre. Yeah. It made me feel super cool that I was in it. Fuck yeah. It's a cool doc. Yeah. Yeah. You are because you're in it. I had the same thing. I was watching it and I was like, oh, I think I said this on here. I haven't accomplished one thing. I'm a oh. fucking loser. <laughs> like, look at these people who are actually creative volcanoes and giants. It made me feel so small and worthless and less than. But then which it is makes great. you feel inspired yeah. too. But. Although I think it would have happened for me by now. If I was going to have that level of genius like uh, Dr. Dre. You're on fire right now. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is killing uh, it. Also singing. You could be the next one. Oh my God. Stefani. Would you want to collab with you? <laughs> what do they call it when you invite someone in hip hop onto your album to like blow them up, to give them a little leg up? There's a cool term for see, it. I'm not that cool. I need you to do that for me. Okay. I need you to like invite <laughs> yeah. me in and I'll have a coming out. I feel like I'm past the whole hip-hop record I'm going to make, too. <laughs> Guys, never say never. I was dating a gal who was a singer. You've worked with her. We'll cut it out. And I had had these totally arrogant fantasies that I might be able to write a song for her in the way that Dr. Seuss wrote Boy Named Sue for Johnny Cash. Not like I could write some really cool hip-hop track, but that I could write something clever. Got it. In a Dr. Seuss way, Boy yeah. Named Sue. Do you know that song, Boy Named Sue? Yeah. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I think so. Will you sing it for me? <laughs> yeah, I would love to. Um, the meanest thing that he ever did is before he left me, I'm going to name you Sue. Oh, yeah. man, I know the whole thing. And back to your teleprompter <laughs> I, thing. Yeah. I'm having total anxiety I'm about sorry. it. I'm sorry. I do know that. It's like a very character song. And he gets to meet his it's old It's like storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, and he finally is at a bar one night and he sees the old mangy dog that named him Sue. And he's finally going to kill him. That's his plan. And then they have this epic fight. And he says, I know you want to kill me and you got the right. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Try not to get too frustrated. We can edit. <laughs> no, I'm editing it. Doesn't matter. It was funny and clever and offbeat, but it made its way into a country legend's mm -hmm. repertoire. And I did have these really arrogant fantasies that I could write something like super Dr. Susie. She was so talented. I watched oh. her write some stuff right in front of my face because I'm not a writer like that. Like I have to do my dot to dot, take Think. my time, yeah. research. I wrote this song called Underneath It All. I remember the day before we were going to go work with um, Dave Stewart from Eurythmics. And at that wow. time, it was like, ah. yeah. I was walking through the park in London. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I have to write a song with him tomorrow. Like, what is it going <laughs> to be about? The line, you're lovely underneath it all, just popped in my brain. Uh -huh. And I was like, okay, that's going to be good. And then when I got there and he had these strings he had worked on, uh. this like whole reggae thing. And I literally, like, it just... Happened really like fast. Like Jay-Z, off the dome. Yeah. Wow. But it's like, I'm not like a rapper. Like, I've gone in so many sessions where these guys will literally go, I got it. They just go to the mic and then like, yeah. this whole like song comes out of their mouth and you're like, what? It's and it amazing. rhymes and it's clever. And There's references yes. to movies from 20, yes. <laughs> and a lot of songwriters that you go in sessions, they'll say that a lot of people will do this. They'll pretend yes. that they, don't, they didn't do any oh, pre-production. Of course. And then they'll come in and be like, 
what about, and then they'll throw out these like <laughs> lines that are so clever and everyone's like, oh, you just thought of that? Yeah, I'm suspicious that a lot of it is that. I like to believe Jay-Z really does it. No, I he's think my that a lot of rappers do it. They channel their soul. Okay, I have two more questions before we talk about makeup. I love this story. Your kids love Pharrell. They love Happy. That's Who doesn't? so weird. I looked at that video last night. You I, did. I had a video of my two little babies when they were at the time. Now they're huge. And it's Kingston. He made me film this for Pharrell. And he's like, Mom, press play. And he's like, Pharrell, <laughs> this is for you. Oh, my God. And then it's him and the little. And they're doing this dance in the oh. kitchen. It's like if I almost sent it to my 16-year-old to go, look at how embarrassing this was that you sent this to him. And that was after I hadn't seen Pharrell in like a long time. And he had just come back and had those three huge hits. Yeah. When everyone had already signed him, him off as like done. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. This could be our trial duet. Clap along if you feel. Sorry. Right. Yeah, I don't remember the lyrics. For if, if you feel like a room with without a roof. Da, na, na. Clap along. That's all we need. Okay, okay you ready? <laughs> Three, seven, eight, nine. Clap along if you feel. <laughs> that was a weird harmony. Yeah. All right, that didn't go well. So I'm not going to be on your next album. That's okay. I'll live with that. Okay, you reach out to him, and then he says, Come to Coachella tomorrow oh virtually, God. right? Yeah. And you go, fuck it. You didn't want to. You just had a third kid. You're like, I don't want to go to Coachella. You force yourself to go to Coachella. And then one second later, you get offered the voice, which maybe you wouldn't have done. But then you see, oh, Pharrell's on it. And then that leads to the voice. Yeah. God, right? That's for really you. Was. That's God. Well, it was. And yeah. I want to say even Pharrell, he's said a few things to me that have been very spiritual. One of the things he said to me, and it made a huge impact. I was talking about spirituality and just my lifelong relationship with God and how I look back and I think, how can I, out of that weird little nobody girl, dyslexic from Anaheim, be this person that gets to have this much access to people? That doesn't make sense. If people knew who I really was, yeah. none of these ideas are mine. And I just know that I'm just channeling whatever I'm supposed to be doing here. So just yeah. keep it coming. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I remember saying to Pharrell, I was going through some really tough things at that point. And we were talking about all of that. And he said, Yagwan, all you have to do is open your eyes and you will see. And I was like, what does that mean? When I started really looking for the connection to other people that were kind of in the same zone as I was in the same beliefs, you would see it in them. And it was very yeah. inspiring. I know I'm kind of talking out of the lines like you can't really hear what I'm trying to say because yeah. I don't really know exactly how to put it. Jay-Z said it best. Real recognize real and you're looking familiar. You could see it in other yes. people. Yes. Oh my God, that's I put my right. hand on my heart. It means I feel you. That's exactly what I was trying to say, Jay-Z. Right? Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And maybe he came up with that off the dome. Maybe he wrote it down. We'll never know. <laughs> Maybe a team of people. Listen, you say this a lot. I wrote down something, in fact, that you said. I don't know how I feel about it, okay? okay? This is a quote from the New York Times. You just said it, and then I had written down something different, but in the same vein that you had said in 2016 in the New York Times. Extraordinary things have happened to a not extraordinary person, like a regular person, and it keeps blowing my mind. Mm. I want to know... And this is a true question. I don't so have a judgment humble. on it. The insecurity, the belief that you're not extraordinary, despite all the evidence that you are, is it vital for what you've created or was it in your way? 
like I can tell you the aliens come down, they look at your life, whatever you think is the answer, they go, oh, extraordinary person, extraordinary. This person went into singing, they had this, then they went solo, that's oh, it. then they go on TV. extraordinary life. I just know that everything that ever happened, it just appeared. And it was like, it really truly was like a mind blowing thing for myself. Now, not until later when I got further into my spirituality and actually reading the Bible or actually listening to podcasts of preachers that were explaining the Bible because I don't read very good. And it's confusing. It's unreadable hard. text. But yeah. like Jesus was onto something. I mean, he had some really good stuff. So what I'm saying is I felt like I could not only admit that I was gifted, but also know that if I didn't admit it, that was kind of disrespectful too. So kind of that whole thing when I said I went to the teleprompter and I was like, okay, listen, get over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got a D in speech in college, you're but you're here. not a D. <laughs> like yeah. you got to yeah. move forward. You're here. So, you've been here yeah. for three decades. But I think that yeah. the naive part of me, the way that I wrote, because I was dyslexic, because there was no rules in songs, that it didn't matter how I spelled. I didn't have to follow grammar or rules. I just was following my truth, my heart, my story. And every time that I kept being me, which yeah. was like, okay, I'm just going to wear this because I don't like my legs or whatever yeah, it was, yeah. ended up being the reason why I am the success that I am. Yeah. So I have learned that as an older person <laughs> that, yes. Yeah, there's one part of me that goes, no, it's exactly your lack of belief in yourself that has actually been so appealing to everyone that loves you and your owning of the insecurities and your honesty and authenticity is what has made you successful. That's one angle. I can buy into that. Another angle might be, wow, had I acknowledged and absolutely believed I was capable of all this, would you have been even more prolific? Would you've been Prince? That's the two things Ooh. I question. I don't know. Does that make sense as a question? Did you hold yourself back because you had limiting thoughts of yourself? I don't know. I think that there was a certain point where maybe feeling like I had to please everyone all the time might have helped me back. Staying in certain things or working with certain people or managers or whatever it is. Yeah. But at the same time, like I said, I've always been kind of late to the party with all of these things because I didn't know until I knew. <laughs> now I know. So now I'm going to do this. And that made me think of the makeup line because I'm getting some award next week is like women that do stuff and inspire people. One of those things you're like, me? Really? But then I look back and I go, wow, crap. I've yes. actually created a lot of things. Lamb was a clothing line at the time when people weren't allowed to do that in music because it yeah. would be mean that they were trying to take advantage of you. This I just is 18 did 18 years ago? Oh so God. 2004, oh I think? Oh my God, Lamb. you made me have a heart attack <laughs> when you said that. No, it was like three years ago. No, it was probably 18 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that predates a lot of the things. But it's like when you think about some of the things that you've done with your challenges of being dyslexic, I would never think that I would grow up and have my own business. Yeah, like right. that's just exactly. not me. But what? Lamb was enormously successful. It was successful, but it was a license. That's a completely different kind of format where you don't have to do everything and you just say kind of yes or no. But it's still like a whole thing. I oh, mean, yeah. I worked my ass off. And then I did Harajuku Lovers and I did Harajuku Mini, which was like at Target for a while, which yeah. I was designing. And I absolutely loved doing all of those projects. I mean, so much. And then I did Lamb Eyewear. I did a company called GX for a while. I love that you started doing eyewear because you realized you needed glasses. Well, I always wanted to do sunglasses. <laughs> but then as soon as I finally got my partner with it I actually needed glasses yeah. <laughs> now I don't want to wear them because I'm like oh my god I feel old when I wear glasses but stay tuned for more armchair expert 
if you dare. Okay, when did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Well, let's just say I'm a weirdo and I want to be messy and see what you're up to, like who you're hanging with. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. I knew you did that. <laughs> no, I did not do that. <laughs> I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends and then use that money any place Apple Pay is accepted. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Monica, please keep it in the chat. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored men's warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits, they have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear. The tailoring is game-changing. It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body. You could have a billion dollar suit and if it doesn't fit it looks terrible yeah agreed yeah it's key men's warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide so if you need one and you will there's one near you feel like you can do anything in an outfit from men's warehouse visit your men's warehouse store or click or tap to shop online we are supported by celebrity cruises i know what you think as long as you're on vacation you're happy but the truth is some vacations are better than others and there's one that's better than all of them celebrity cruises with rooms food and service like theirs you'll never want a vacation any other way and you won't have to with all the places celebrity goes they even have weekend caribbean escapes if you're short on time so visit celebrity.com contact your travel advisor or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. Can I pause real quick because we blew past it, but it is important to say people maybe will be mad at me for saying this, but you are prince to a generation. Oh my God, Pri No, stop. no, I'm serious. For like girls my age, I mean, Erica, my group of friends will be like, if you had this person on the podcast, I would need to be there. Oh, right, There's right, right, a right. running thing of who would you need to be in the attic for? And my friend who's my age is like, Gwen Stefani, 100%. Also, I didn't invite her. Uh, but <laughs> Oh, Brie. Also, Brie. So my girlfriend of nine years, and this actually dovetails beautifully into your makeup <laughs> because I think you appealed to a very specific girl. So Brie, unbelievably beautiful. Monica just met her for the first time last gorgeous. Sunday at Houston. So oh, was Erica. So was Erica. But Brie was drawn to the punk rock aesthetic. She wanted makeup the way I wanted a mohawk. I wanted to distract you from my face, which I didn't like. <laughs> and I had all this accoutrement to have a whole character that 
I was confident in. The combat boots and this and the that, that made me feel very confident. I thought if you just got my face, you're walking. I think everybody wants to have an identity and some people are visual and make their identity out of their hair, their makeup, their clothes and tattoos, whatever it is. I'm calling the kettle black. That was <laughs> what I did. And I think a lot of you were, I'm not going to make a makeup that's nude and simple. Mm -hmm. I'm going bold. I'm going to create a character on my face. Prince also was a character. I mean, he was he an was. incredible musician, but aesthetically, he was a thing. And people were drawn to that. They were drawn to this uniqueness. And oh, you yeah. did that for so many women, especially. Thank you. Yeah, Thank no, you. for real. <laughs> Well, honestly, like we were talking earlier, it was what it was. I didn't try. I was just doing. That's why it worked. I was, and I didn't know that anyone was going to see it yeah. or do that. But when they did and when I tasted the blood, yeah. I was like fuel. I mean, it was yeah. like, you like it? Okay. I'm a people pleaser. Yeah, yeah. I'm an entertainer. But can I'm you relate to the thing I'm talking about? That like, I'm going to present to you a whole character. It's well, going to have very interesting clothes and you're going to be a little distracted by this crazy outfit I've put on. I feel like mine was a little more about being inspired all the time. I don't know why. Trial. I didn't want to shop at the mall. I want to shop at the thrift store. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. when I would watch old movies, I like those clothes and I like that makeup. And I like to look at pictures of my mom from the 60s and that looked cool to me. Like what we're doing now didn't seem cool to me. It wasn't even like I had a group of friends that we were all doing this. Like it was literally me yeah. going to the thrift store by myself, just knowing that one of my gifts was I could x-ray the room and find the greatest things in that room and bring it home and then I would tear it apart and I would sew it back together and I would walk out of the house and go, I look cool, but not like I'm going to present this fake person of who I am because I don't like myself. It was just more like, right. this is what I like to do and this is who I am and I like this. I'm born that way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think it was just one of those things where I used whatever I had around me. Like I didn't have money, but I lived at home. So I would say, dad, can I have five bucks? We're going to rent a microphone and I'm going to go to practice or Every time I would have an event, it would be like, what am I going to wear next? And, you know, I'd see people. I'd see these girls in Anaheim with yeah. this makeup on. It was like literally like they airbrushed their face yeah. and they would sit in class and they would have a mirror and they would just be like picking their eyelashes apart because they had never took their mascara off. And I was just fascinated by their beauty, yeah. you know, and I wanted to be like that. So yeah. I became a version of my <laughs> version of it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I plucked my eyebrows out and it was a combination of those girls. And it was a combination of watching old movies. I was obsessed with all the Turner classics. I've watched that all the time. I was projecting too much. I relate with your insecurities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't an armor. And I've gotten a lot of trouble for my makeup. And I still do. Like, why are you wearing a mask? What's underneath there? What oh, are you trying wow. to hide? Oh, you're just going to school pickup. Why are you wearing that makeup? That's disgusting. Like, who are you? You know, we all read these yeah. things about ourselves. Since I was a little girl, I was obsessed with makeup. First of all, tell me how to pronounce it. Because again, we already went over this. G-X-V-E, give. Yeah. Okay, great. Give. But let the listener know, give is spelled G-X-V-E. Yeah. That's because when I was in high school, I started signing my name 
all the time GX, like G oh. with a kiss. Oh. So I actually did have a line called GX for a while. And so then when I was trying to come up with a brand name, it's really hard these days. We just came up with Give because with makeup, what I always say is when I was working at the makeup counter back in the day and I wanted to be one of those girls so bad. And I finally got to and I was at this really like dollar mall where nobody bought expensive <laughs> makeup, but I was on the expensive makeup brand that nobody bought. But people would come in and be like, I want to make over because I'm going out tonight and yeah. I want a free sample. I would do makeup for people and I loved it. I don't know why I was good at it. No one told me how to do it. I didn't take a class, yeah. but I could do it. So this girl came in with her husband, didn't speak English. She had a birthmark on her face. She had a brand new baby. And I remember putting her makeup on. The feeling she gave me and the gift I gave her was this moment of hope. She looked in the mirror. They were almost crying yeah. and because she felt like she never saw herself like that. Maybe it's a temporary thing. Like when I got ready for you this morning, yeah, was you doing this was special? me giving a gift to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I wore blue eyeliner. And you know oh, what I'm saying? I, like, I feel like I thought about that. Yeah. And I could have come here with no makeup on. And that would have been, been a different that would have been a different kind yeah, of yeah. Get gift. out of here. <laughs> put your face on and come back. Yeah, it is a gift. It is to show someone what they can be. Yeah, and also I don't put my makeup on and sit and stare at myself all day long. I did it for you guys. I think the beauty community has been just so cool in the last 10 years since we have online. And the thing that I love most about being creative and creating something and putting it out there, whether it's music or designing something, when people get a hold of that, your identity, and they make it their identity. This is what we've been talking about all yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Like, I designed these handbags back in the day for Le Sportsack, and it was right when Lamb came out, and they were these black and white bags, and literally couldn't walk down the street in New York without seeing one. It was so incredible. Yeah. But they would own it like it was their idea. It was such an incredible thing. It's just like the music, or like these yeah. girls dressing up. So with makeup, the difference is, is that I'm creating all these different products, and when people get their hands on it, it's really fun to see what they do with it. I have this community now of makeup lovers that are equally as obsessed with it as I am. And they're doing stuff with the makeup that I wouldn't do. And of course, they're them. So it's just really a fun But I do thing. think yours is different than all the other ones I'm hearing about because everything is like, you don't see it, it's nude. But yours is specifically and explicitly bold, which I think is cool. It seems like that's a hole in the market. I think that there's trends on makeup and what's popular. and Everybody wears whatever they're comfortable with. Sometimes they push and they didn't know they would be comfortable on red lipstick. But I think the thing behind mine was it had to be clean and I didn't go out to make a clean line when I started this four years ago because I didn't really care. I was just, I want to make really good makeup yeah. that I can wear that I want to wear. And as I got into it, I started realizing some of the dangers that are out there. And I didn't know. I was ignorant. But then I was like, of course, yes, now it has to be clean. And that is a huge challenge to make a bold, clean line. Because pigments and natural paints and things that you use, it's hard. Like, it's hard because there's a lot of things that you can't use to make it bold. That has been a challenge, but a fun challenge. And I just feel like me doing a makeup line at this point in my 50s, I just said that out loud. I think it's one like of those it. things. Class of 87. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I want people to be able to trust me on this one because it's been very consistent and it's so much noise out there in the makeup world and women and guys 
want to feel good and look good. And I think that they don't know how to sometimes. Well, I so you have a whole community. You, yes. Yeah, so you've built this whole platform around Give, which is the Give community. And then so all these gals and guys, they're posting their creations with your ingredients, which is cool, right? And they're yeah. sharing it. Yeah. And then some genius in your world, and maybe it was you, was like, we should allow these people to sell the makeup. That was me. Or right out of the gates, which is incredible, is they get 30% commission. That part's gangster. <laughs> but I got to it's not a pyramid scheme, right? They don't have to no. order a bunch no. of the product before they sell it. No, I thought this is a deal. So I have all these people that I've been having this love affair with for like 30 years, right? And we trust each other and they inspire me. I inspire them and we don't really know each other, but we know each other and it's crazy. But when you go from like, going to the mailbox and getting a letter back in the day to like having access to people on your phone. Yeah. It's yeah. a completely different world. And I see them, they're already doing the work and they're not getting paid. They're my cheerleaders. And so I started thinking about this makeup line and this point in my life where this is a passion project. I don't have to be doing this right yeah. now. Dennis is like, what, <laughs> Stefani? Do not do it. Uh -huh. <laughs> Retire, like yeah, yeah. get out of the, yeah. the just get on with your life. Buy a nice Live. safe government bond yes, and just exactly. ride it out. Yeah. I felt like I <laughs> I needed to do something creative and I would regret it if I didn't. So I did start it. And part of the thing was not just to have a regular makeup line. Like I can do that and I'd like doing it. Sephora is incredible. I love designing the makeup. But the idea that I could create this community of people that could be paid by being a fan yeah. was just my little way of being like, how can we be even more partners in crime? And yeah. so that's kind of where the 30% commission came in. But I thought of so many different ways we could do it and I landed here. I think you're on the good side of it. You wouldn't want people yeah. buying like a fucking palette of makeup and being out of pocket no. and it's in their garage and their parents are going, what the fuck is going no, on? No, I didn't <laughs> want any trouble. I just wanted to do something nice for people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. This is what was a really cool story. My sister-in-law who's been with my little brother Todd, the dyslexic one. He's going to yeah, yeah. love me for this. <laughs> They've been together since they're 15. So she's oh like my, my sister, Aww. right? Okay. Anyways, she started being an ambassador, a giver, we call them. And she's like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. You didn't tell me that I was going to have to like text people back in this community. <laughs> but then she's like addicted to it yeah. and she's having so much fun. And she was so excited because she's so clever. She basically got a bridal shower gift. So she sold 20 lip glosses. Wow. And she's like, that's going to be my thing. I'm going to do showers. And so she got super excited and she's made 500 bucks. And she's like, I'm going to go get my laser on my hair. Well, it, sounds like <laughs> the, it sounds like a good part of a pyramid scheme. The fun part is like joining a community. These things wouldn't work multi-level marketing things if they weren't appealing. So A, you join a community. B, you figure out your own hustle, which is fun. You have like a purpose. It's the buying a shitload of stuff from somebody that's in your yeah, garage no, going bad. So it just really, to me, has the fun part of it without that shitty yeah, part. Yeah, none of that's involved. What do you think I could make? I Tell don't me. even know. You might actually be a good makeup artist. Are Probably you? not. Do you know Jeremy Renner <laughs> is an incredible makeup artist? Do you know Jeremy Renner worked at a mall and he made women oh, feel really? incredible? He's like turning women's lives around with his artistry. It was the most adorable thing I ever heard. Honestly, this stuff can make people feel, I mean, it I know can. what it makes me feel like. And we all need to feel good and confident. And I don't know. I love it. How do people go to the community? What is it its own app or is it? Yeah, there's an app okay. and you can go in there and then you sign up. You can go in there and you can post. You can talk to each other. I'm on there all the time posting and then you just get paid instantly as soon as you sell it comes right to your phone oh, so it's like awesome. yeah it's been really exciting and there's a lot of people that i follow that have just been no doubt fans or fans forever that i know 
by heart because you start following people and you kind of get to know them. And then I watched them become givers Ugh. and watched them have all of a sudden this new identity. It was just really fun to watch. It's just brand new. It's only come out like a month ago. So that's cool. So cool. My last question. I've had so much fun. You've Thank hung you. out with me socially a few times. We have a mutual friend, Robert. Uh-huh. We've been up at Robert's house several times together. Oh, that Robert. I was like, yeah. which one is he? Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> Iron Man. The big, second biggest grossing I was thinking about it today. I was trying to remember which, because I also remember seeing you in a parking lot more recently. <laughs> you yeah, where your, the fuck was that? You know where that Japanese restaurant, Yen, right on Coldwater and Ventura? There we go. I think it was right mm. there. Right by our friend, the Hansons. Yeah. We were leaving the Hansons. We had parked, yes, in the Weird Valley thing illegally, mm. and you were happening to be, <laughs> yes, I remember this entirely. Yeah. But then also we've been up at Robert's house for a few kids' parties, mm-hmm. birthday parties. Mm-hmm. So we've hung out socially. And I just wanted you to rate that. Did you find <laughs> that like, did you think I'm a good hang off air? I think people are curious. I think that <laughs> it, you were, but now I'm a super fan. Oh, okay, no, look yeah. at that. Now, the, now the, I got to ex- talk about myself in the, front of you this whole time. <laughs> I'm a super fan. <laughs> I'm glad that you give it. You said A plus, I think is what <laughs> yeah, you were Yeah, I think I she said remember, 100. I don't know how to quote you directly. Okay, Gwen, this has been radical. On behalf of Erica, on behalf of Bree, you really have made so many girls feel and beautiful me. and Thank fun. You. Yeah, but you're right here to say. Yeah, yeah. But, you're, but you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible not to wade into some personal stuff between Monica and I. It's always it's part of the fun. It's part of the fun. Yeah, we both, it. we're, yeah, we're always, some evolution of our friendship is always unfolding in front of the guests. <laughs> I feel like you were mad at me earlier because when I ran into you, you didn't want to talk. I was so nice to you. We were in the middle of our workout. Okay. You don't stop I a ran workout. In, I ran into Dax on a and workout and, my best and I got childhood scared. Friend, we're on a, a walk. We try and keep our heart rate up. Say, Hi. <laughs> oh my God. I love your car. It looks so sexy. Are you got a lot of stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, okay, blew okay. your ass up. Okay. And then we had to keep that heart rate up. Of course, up. of course, okay. of course. So anyways, you're on the tail end of that How would you mix up. With Gwen, Gwen Stefani, daughter of Dennis. Thank you for being here. Most importantly, Dennis. <laughs> fucking hit me on IG. I want to go out to lunch with you. I want to talk Yamaha in the mm. 80s. I want to talk Wave Runners, Razzes. What was the other one he was into? Riva. 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 Yeah, yeah, we'll get into the Riva. <laughs> I'll be the first person you meet that's interested in all this. <laughs> so Dennis hit me up. Gwen, such a party. Adore you. Good luck with everything. Thank you so much. I love You're you guys. Welcome. Bye. Bye. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. You want a cookie? Is that what you said? That sounds good. Doesn't it? I had some cookies last night. What kind? Chocolate. Like, I wouldn't call them chip. It was like, you know. Chunk? Chunks of, yeah. Was someone made them? That restaurant, the Mi- oh, Michelin star. They had Michelin cookies? They had a Michelin star. Is that the same as a Michelin star? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want to open it's up a, a restaurant called Mitch. the I got to say we got a Michelin star. In fact, I might start an organization to sell Michelin stars to people for, I don't know, 100 bucks. It always oh. confused me that it was Michelin tires that... Is the same as Michelin stars. Yeah. yeah. And isn't the the origin or genesis that they would create these travel guides and yeah. to promote you to go drive your car with Michelin tires yeah. around and to stop here, we vetted these places. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's weird. That's mixed messies. I way prefer restaurants with Goodyear stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your cookie was a Michelin cookie. Yeah, I don't know that the cookie itself had been labeled that but it was at a michelin restaurant this is so yummy i really want that right now it was a good cookie it wasn't so yummy 
Was it soft in the middle, crunchy on the outside? It was nice. It was the kind that like you think maybe there's too much brown sugar where it's like thin and damp. Okay. You know, that kind. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I like when it's gooey in the middle and crispy on the outside. Yes, that's the dream. Really hard to achieve. It is. I feel delirious. Yeah, that was a long day to lead into a fact checky. Yeah, and then and all I want is a cookie. Who's this fact check about? <laughs> Gwen Stefani. Ding ding ding! Cookies. Oh right, she loves cookies. <laughs> I feel like Delta right now. You do like you're on shrooms. <laughs> yeah, I do. I feel like I'm five. You so you often look five. <laughs> oh, this is Halloween. This is Halloween. Happy Halloween <laughs> to you and your friends. Robots are welcome at this party. <laughs> but please don't go in the bathtub because you'll rust. Oh, yeah, that's a warning. A, so cute. <laughs> it's, a new, it's a hit new song by Devo. Robots are welcome at this party. We only ask that you do not go in the bathtub. <laughs> because because you will become rusty rusty <laughs> nails rusty rusty I don't know, we need a chorus i we just liked it because you were looking out for the robot yeah of course it was sweet i know the water looks okay, inviting think- <laughs> oh, but you are made of metal and you will seize up <laughs> <laughs> like me yeah it's like the snowman in frozen he wants to go in the sunshine oh. he doesn't know better you're right. We've just as old. This is this a time. Is, this is a wine. Oh, oh. Tale as old as time. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> it also reminds you, conjures up uh, the Tin Man wanting a heart. Uh, oh, he wants to get in the tub sure. like human boys do. Does he? I mean, that's what the didn't the the Tin Man wanted to be human. He wanted yeah, he a did. heart. He wanted a heart, but he didn't want to get in the tub. But that's what boys do. Well, if I had a heart, I could get. If, <laughs> if I only had a brain, that's not him. <laughs> That's the lion? No, he wanted wanted courage. Wow. He wanted courage. It is Halloween. It is Halloween. Scarecrow. He's who wanted a brain. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Okay. It is Halloween. We're going to go on the hayride today. Yes. Uh, Are you going to tell the story of how he... Preparing my my trailer? Yeah. No, you're laughing because it was so boring. And (laughs) the idea that I would tell it all on here is what's making you laugh so hard. No. We were having a lunch. There I was nothing else it. to talk about at lunch, so I, I just brought it up. I loved it. Okay, so my trailer, which we are probably in right now, yes, um, has been sitting since the, its last voyage, which was to convey uh, an off-road vehicle to some location. So mm. the trailer's sitting in the corner of the thing. It's got a razor on it with a cover and a battery tender and all this bullshit. So first I got to get that off of there. First I got to wait all day because there's a cement mixer in my yard that prevents me from getting the truck up to the trailer. Yes. Finally get the truck hooked up. I get the razor off. I sweep out the trailer. Next order of business, the trailer has a railing that is about a foot off the deck of the trailer, but it has posts that keep up the railing. It's not solid. It's not a box. And for the hay ride, we need a box. The hay will just fall out the side of the trailer if I don't have a box. What to do, Monica? 
you tricked me here. I am telling this boring <laughs> story. My solution ended up being finding a TV box behind the house. Yeah. I cut all the cardboard into the right shapes. I bent it. I nailed it to the deck of the trailer, which thank God is wooden. Yeah. I created my whole box. Then I thought, well, that looks ugly. You can see cardboard from the outside. So then I painted the whole trailer yes. so that the boxes would match the trailer. All that was a four and a half hour endeavor. You're leaving out. I mean, I'm. I, I'm glad you're, you're leaving. <laughs> I'm glad you're leaving out, but you're leaving out. There's some out. stuff about hammers. And I stuff. didn't have any of my tools I needed yeah. because my bus has all my tools and it's in Texas. Yeah, and you had to go to Carly's. Then I go to Carly's. Then I had to ride my electric bike to the hardware store That's to get right. staples. Yeah, because I have an electric staple gun. Guess what? Didn't work. Staples <laughs> weren't long enough to attach and adhere to the. Base. Okay, but it looks gorgeous. Well, it looks passable, so, let's be honest. No, it does look okay, really nice. Okay. And I ordered, mm. those arrived tomorrow. Okay. Mm, no, time, now I'm they screwing arrived, up our reality. They arrived, they arrived six days ago. They arrived two days ago. Eight strands of battery-powered lights in orange that'll be flashing Cute. with other strands that have pumpkins, jack-o'-lanterns on them. So there's yet another round oh. of work of stringing up all the lights so that it's flashing and blinking while the music plays. And that was another thing I left you out of. But <laughs> I did spend a good hour and a half yesterday creating the playlist oh, that'll play on the hayride. I'm grateful to you for spending so much time creating this really fun hayride that I'm on right now. Yeah. Whee! And I'm having so much fun. And I just had a seizure because of the oh. lights, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's so worth it. And you and I are both in spandex. Yeah. I'm in a, I guess it's spandex or lycra. I'm in a pantyhoe onesie <laughs> as a cat right now. <laughs> yeah. Are you in a jumpsuit? Yeah. I'm not in? even decided if I'm wearing underwear or not in my suit. Well, they're kids. Well, I know, but could you see, th what's worse? Is, I guess to see through and see penis would be the worst. Yeah. But if you saw me undies sticking Can out. Can you imagine if you were. <laughs> trick-or-treating with your you'd you'd kill that person if i saw a guy yeah. in a see-through lycra outfit yeah. with no undies on you're right you would hurt okay them. well that's exactly why i'm currently on the hayride in underwear <laughs> in my cat outfit that was handed to me right that's what would happen a guy would come up to me hey buster what are you thinking there's kids around clean yourself up and i go sir i had nothing to do with this this was handed to me i was assigned a costume by my children and now i'm in it yeah but and still. i'm sorry <laughs> Sorry, you can see my religion. <laughs> I don't know yet what I'll be wearing right now. Okay. Uh, Did you bail on your Apple Pay? No, I'm doing oh. Apple Pay still, mm. but I don't know what I'm wearing. Because for Apple Pay, it's just I know all black and then the button on my arm and the sign that says double click here. Oh my God. Are you going to have an arrow pointing to uh, yeah, your breast? Yeah, because it's too close. No, to my arm. Oh, okay. Because you too could get in trouble. If you're praying around the neighborhood with a sign that says double click here, <laughs> I know. some I... wife's going to come to you and be like, excuse me, temptress. We don't want singles in this neighborhood. They're so mis <laughs> they're, they're misogynist. The wives? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so... I got to figure it out, though. I am a little nervous about the boob part. Yeah. Anyhow. Well, I'm looking at it now. It turned out fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. It's all good. You shouldn't be around anyone that's going to molest you if it says click here on your boobs. Thank you. But you never know who you're going to run into on the People hayride. People are disguised. It brings out a different side of them. Hence masquerade parties. That's what the whole point of the mask yeah. is, is you're going to let 
you know, you can that's be Halloween creepy. in general. Ding, ding, ding. Tuesday's episode of Flightless Bird, Halloween, we talk about this, sexy. Uh-huh. Uh, people would use it as a, a romance vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. A couple things. Kind of a ding, ding, ding that her episode comes out on Halloween and her makeup is bold. You're right. You're having a rough time with that blanket. <laughs> I can't get comp. Yeah. The couch. It's my No, it's time. not. Stop. I just sat in it when I we were doing it. something else. I was eating my salad over there and I was like, yeah, I see the point. Minimally, I think I mean to put one of the cushions over there. Okay. We could switch a cushion. I yeah. feel fine with that. Okay. Okay. Now, she talks about the dyslexic advantage, the book. Oh. Um, and the book is called <laughs> Dyslexic Advantage. Uh-huh. You just said that. <laughs> Maybe now the, the author. That's what I was trying to say. The author is, remember that author? Oh, fuck. Remember that hilarious? Yes. It was, well, it was a partnership. It was um, three different scientists on one paper or book. It was like a grandpa. And a daughter. A a daughter-in-law. And some hyphenated ones. And some people's (laughs) first names were the other people's last names. I think that was the episode I read Taylor Swift's speech. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay. The Dyslexic Advantage. By Brock Edie, MD, MA, and Fernet Edie, MD. A married couple again? I would guess. Or, we don't know. Brother and sister. Brother and sis. Or. Brother and brother. Dad and daughter. Or dad and son. Grandpa (laughs) and granny. They're married. Okay, they're married. Great. Great. That Um, makes it cleaner. (laughs) Okay, she also talked about another book. She said she thought it was called Reading Outside the Lines, but it's called Learning Outside the Lines. That's another book about dyslexia. Uh Uh-huh, written by two Ivy League graduates who struggled with learning disabilities and ADHD. I'm reading the book you told me to get. Which one? Far From the Tree. Oh, yeah. Did you read it or just watch the doc? the doc. Yeah, well, per your suggestion, I got the book and I'm in the middle of it right now. And it's talking about his journey with dyslexia. And this is pretty profound. It did occur to me, yeah, there's a big spectrum of how severe it could be. But I related a lot. Well, I looked up if dyslexics sometimes add T's. Like you, you do? You looked that up to see if that was a thing? Yeah. Yeah, I want no. I couldn't find it. Yeah. But she did it once. Oh, she did? Which, and I think, I don't know if Ooh. I'm allowed to say this. Sure, stereotype another, us. Another, it's not a stereotype. I think it's cool if uh-huh. you guys all do that. Have our own language. Well, like, it means there is something very specific happening causing that. Yeah, teas are popping up everywhere. There's another podcast I listen to, and one of the people thinks they might be dyslexic or there's something right. potential. And I think one time he said a T, and I was like, oh, that Dax has done that. So yeah. maybe you are dyslexic. Uh huh. What if you started running evaluation clinics? And, you, and they came in, you're like, you ever pop a tea on something? Like, yes, okay. And then boom, approved. No, like, I'm just going to write <laughs> the word addict on a paper. I'll say, how do you say this? And they'll say addict. Yeah. And I'll <sighs> say dyslexic. Yeah. Next person. <laughs> next. <laughs> next up. <laughs> if you're dyslexic. By the way, we know, we know who you're talking about, you know. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, you're, you only listen to one podcast. No, I don't. I also listen to Who, What, Where. Shout out. I love it. Oh, In wow. Second Life. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay. So you said there was a doc on basically how the Mexican culture. It's so, called Clown and something. Uh, the tattoo guy's name is Clown. Something Clown. Well, there's a doc about this called Homikai. Oh. Japanese gangsta became Chicano. 
Oh. I thought that's what it was. No, yeah. It's, it's called Clown. But a okay, famous tattoo artist and a photographer, maybe also a uh, pinstripe painter. Clown photographer. Maybe the tattoo artist started in pinstriping, or maybe he does both. He's a very famous LA tattoo artist. Something clown. Mr. Cartoon. So type in Mr. Cartoon Doc. Um, LA oh, LA Originals. Originals. Okay. Mr. Cartoon and Esteban Oriole. So clown has nothing to do with that title, but LA Originals? Well, Netflix is exploring the careers of influential tattoo artist Mr. Cartoon and photographer Esteban Oriole with the new LA Originals. Yep, that's the doc. And it shows Great. the kids in Japan that are... LA Originals doc. Yeah, there's a lot of articles on this. There's a New York Times article on it. And these guys love it. Cool. Did the Beatles play in a strip club for a decade? You mentioned that. I in didn't Germany, know Germany, yeah. Yeah, the Beatles first played Hamburg's Pleasure Zone Boom. in 1960 in a former strip club near the infamous Reeperbahn. Ooh, Reeperbahn. Uh, August 17, 1960, Beatles got together to play their first live performance at the Indra Club in Hamburg's Red Light District. This is pretty much the most foundational claim of the 10,000 hours. This is from Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. And there's a whole chapter about how the Beatles had played live for like eight hour shifts at this club. And by the time they were recording, they had 10,000 hours mm -hmm. of having played as a band together or something like that. But that's I think about the most persuasive argument in the book for the 10,000 hours thing. Interesting. Okay, so you said there's a cool term in hip hop when you invite someone on your album to give them a leg up. Do you mean featured? Well, that's what it is, but there's a slang term for that. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, I tried to Google it. Featured was what I found, which makes sense, and yeah. what I heard. But, you know, imagine me trying to type this <laughs> in. Let me give it a shot. Okay. So I'm going to say hip-hop term for featured on an album. Hip-hop slang, make sure I reference. Yeah, all these would require us to go through an entire hip-hop glossary, which I'm sure would yeah, be way hard. too hard. Yeah, I'll keep my ear out for it. Okay. I, I'm sure I'll bump into it again. I really liked this episode. I really liked her. Me too. How humble she was. She really gives a lot of credit to her higher power. Uh-huh. And I always find that sweet. You do? I do. I do. But I like there's a humbleness that comes with that that I think is kind of admirable. I admire the humility. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. But then, of course, there's another side of me that's like, well, no, that's. That's you. That's you. So then I have another poll that's, well, no, it's you. And it's okay that it's you. Now, you could stay humble by saying, and I'm a product of these genetics and this upbringing, and that's why I can do it. You but that still, to me is less sweet. It that's is, why, yeah. Like, and maybe it's just because I don't have that type of relationship with a higher God. power. So I don't. I can't do that. Like, if I'm proud of something that I've done, I do give myself credit for yeah. it. Yeah. And I do give other, I mean, I give people in my life credit for it, but I'm not like, oh, I'm just a vessel something's passing through. And I think that's like a beautiful way of looking at your life and your accomplishments. Uh, I, I don't have that. Yeah. I agree with you on all things you just said. Additionally, even if it's not God, it still is something passing through you. All these different things 
accumulate in this weird mix of genetics and all these different things. And then it does just erupt out of you. Yeah. And I think if you're humble, you can only claim so much ownership over that. Yeah, for sure. I just think what you're saying and when I say that, it's a different thing than what she's doing. Like mm -hmm. she is she is saying, I have nothing to do with this. Yeah, yeah. And I, when I accomplish something, I don't say that. I mean, I do think there's an inordinate amount of luck, all of these things that have come together, my parent, all these things, you yeah. that have allowed for all of this. But I don't think I am just a passenger on this ride. Damn, yeah, that lucky God put me. You on. I like it. My think my hesitation is it's just so happens that it's it's a lovely statement because she's prolific and inspired and creating. Yeah. But if it, it's true that God can work to make you that, then obviously it's true that God can make you nothing or God can mm. make you not inspired or not creative or not productive. So it scares me because if it can create the one thing, then it can create the opposite of it. Yeah. And then to me, that's just a huge excuse. Yeah. So it's like, I do think it's sweet. I agree with you when I hear her say that there's like this, uh, this deep humility that's really sweet. sweet. And it I, is, I'm overthinking I... it, as, <laughs> as, as usual. Well, I'm how, overthinking it. Because it's Halloween. Like if I believe in God and then I hear her and I know that what she's saying is true, then and I'm like, well, why isn't God doing that for me? I don't think they're doing that. They're not. I don't yeah. think they are because okay. they believe that God has a plan. A plan for them. Yeah. 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 I think us saying, why isn't this happening for me is inherent in us not believing in God because we believe we have some more control. Agency. We make our, yeah. our destiny. Our destiny. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. You look great in your, your spandex outfit. I look great in mine. We're having such a fun time right such now. I'm eating so I'm eating a Kit Kat right now, misophonia. Uh, I haven't decided yet if I'm eating candy. I'd prefer not to oh. so that my skin isn't itchy and red and peely on Tuesday when we record. Yeah. So I'm not I haven't decided if I'm tomorrow making a record. deal with the devil. <laughs> yeah, tomorrow morning when we're recording. But then I, this is gonna impact whether I get you the treat I was promising to get you. The fruit nut. That's right. Cranberry. Canberry. <laughs> this is a robot party. <laughs> Come on in. Wipe your metal feet on the door. <laughs> you may see a bathtub full of water. <laughs> Do not get inside. It's not for you. You're not a boy. But you're welcome to party here anyways. <laughs> Wait, you forgot the rust part. My favorite part. <laughs> Is it fighting as the bathtub looks? You will become very rusty if you submerge yourself like a little boy, which you are not. But again, you're welcome to party all night. Wipe your metal feet at the door. <laughs> it took you getting delirious before you could enjoy one of my songs. <laughs> I'm going to mark this. I'm going to my game plan, strategy notes. I'm going to be like, okay, there is a moment I can slide these in. Wait, I love the idea of a little... <laughs> Wait, you're doing it again. Can I come to oh, your party? God. You, I already want you to do so much. <laughs> then you had to keep going. Me, me. <laughs> For some reason, that's how the, the robot knocks on the door. Me, me. I heard the sounds of a party. 
Meep, meep, you're right, we're hosting a party. <laughs> meep, meep, all robots <laughs> welcome. Is, why is he knocking over? <laughs> is this a party that welcomes robots? <laughs> you better believe we always invite robots. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. That song is called Wiping Your Metal Feet at the Door. Wipe, Wipe your, your metal feet on the door. You'll notice don't. there's Brillo pants to get the stuff <laughs> off the metal. Okay, let's wipe your metal feet at the door by Dak Shepard. Stop. Um, um, mm. I just love the idea of a little robot wiping his feet. <laughs> yes, yeah, and you got to put a little bit of steel wool to get the rust off of his little metal feet. <laughs> <laughs> And that's there so they don't ha- are not tempted to dip their feet in the tub to wash them off. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. All right. Okay. I love you. Happy right. Halloween. Love you. Happy Halloween. <laughs>